This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, everyone, welcome to Fans on the Run. This will be, well, I don't know if it'll be the first episode uploaded, but it's certainly being the first one recorded. Um, it's been a very strange time we're in right now. Everyone's stuck in their houses and hopefully listening to a lot of good podcasts. And of course, the one thing the world needs is another Beatles podcast because there's just so many of them or so few of them, I should say. Um, but the main reason for me wanting to make this is because this is a topic that I, I would listen to a podcast about this. Unfortunately, this topic has not been made yet. So I am the one who has to make the podcast that I would listen to. Uh, and really we're just going to be talking, not just specifically about the Beatles, but we're talking to Beatles fans about their personal experiences, their stories, their connections to the Beatles. And of course, who better to start all of this than the man who introduced me to the Beatles all the way back in 2010 when I was eight. Will you please welcome my Uncle Paul Campbell. Well, Ethan, thanks a lot, pal. Thanks for having me on your brand new program. I'm very excited to be interviewed by you this evening. Thanks for coming on the show. I love the title of your show, too, Fans on the Run. That's terrific. Very Thank funny. You. Very good. It was a toss-up between that and uh, In My Life. Oh, good. That would work. Yeah, yeah. Very but, nice. Yeah. So what do you remember about introducing me to the Beatles? We're going to talk about me. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, very good. Well, why not? Of course, the host comes first. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember specifically. I mean, I've always been a fan, and I knew you were a music fan. You were heavily into a Michael Jackson phase there for quite yes. a while, and he's a terrific artist, too. I'm a big fan of him as well. <laughs> and maybe somehow in our discussions about him and his career and how they had done duets together, and uh, maybe maybe that's where it began, <laughs> uh, leading from there to to Beatledom, Paul McCartney and such. So The I'm one thing the that time. really sticks out in my mind about the early days of me being a Beatles fan is um, you introduced me to the conspiracy theory of Paul McCartney dying in a car crash in 1966. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what really set me over the top oh, okay. and got me to start collecting records, which oh, you have fueled that addiction. Right. I have yeah, I sitting. Think, I, think in, I, I have mm-hmm. sitting in front of me right now the first three Beatles records you gave me. Oh, good. Very good. Uh, Twist yes, I think and I Shout, out Rubber you. Soul, and Magical Mystery Tour. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, that's all right. It's we'll we'll take turns. But uh, I think talking about the conspiracy thing, I think I pointed out that business with the cover of Sergeant Pepper, where mm-hmm. you use the the reflective edge of a knife mm-hmm. to read the the he die. Yeah, and you can't really so I, do, you can't do that on a CD or a you know JPEG. Yeah, right, right. It's too small. That's right, right. Good point. And I'm like, wow, so, you can only do this with the LPs. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, they had such classic, iconic LP covers too. You know, they're well, beautiful pieces of art, really. So of course. They set a standard that way. So. Yeah, it wasn't just packaging anymore. Right, right. No, exactly. Right. It was a an art statement in and of itself. Correct. They come from that sort of school background, and they would have had some input into that, I'm sure, and at least yeah. would have uh, wanted to be that way. So, <laughs> true, very true. Yeah. But yeah, you have really fueled my record collection. Right on, uh, buddy. You know, with all the uh, that British White Album. Right, right. All those, you know, it was those three records you gave me that really set me on that path. Got you triggered. Excellent. That's good. But, well, it's a lovely journey to follow. You know, I enjoyed it when I was probably about exactly your age is when I would have been uh, getting excited about Beatles myself. So. I always get really nostalgic for the time when I first became a Beatles fan and everything felt new. Exactly. I can identify with that 100%. Because it's not like now where I can tell you, like, maybe like the entire road crew of the Beatles 1964 <laughs> U.S. tour. Yeah, Back yeah. then, it's just like, hey, they had this song called oh, yeah. S- Strawberry Fields. That's really cool. 
<laughs> yeah, each each album and and uh, you know track order was a revelation as as I acquired them and learned each one and, and came to enjoy each one. I thought it was it was a lot. It took a couple of years, you know. I got them bit by bit, and it was just wonderful every time to open the new package and listen to an album. So um, I know that feeling. One last tangent about me. The mm-hmm. I, I've told Mark Lewis in this story, and he got a kick out of it. Uh, the first or what really set off uh, some sparks in my head was um, mom had a copy of the Blue Album on CD. Right. And and it was like in this box beside the couch. And so I grabbed it, put it in my rinky-dink little CD player, and then uh, Sgt. Pepper came on. Oh yeah, okay. and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then you is know that how, how it starts? Is that the first track? Uh, I think mm-hmm. there's a couple before, but okay. then mm-hmm. it was Sergeant Pepper, and then mm-hmm. how it just transitions seamlessly into with a little help from my friends. Right, I just right, couldn't yeah. believe it. And like, these are two different songs. <laughs> That's cool. Anyways, enough about me. Let's talk. Oh, about no, there's you. never enough about you. We think. Come on, sounds good. All right, so when. Did you first discover the Beatles? Mm-hmm. Well, being uh, someone born in the year of 1962, and here's one little fact I'm always proud to point out. I'm born on June the 5th, 1962. And in my understanding is the Beatles' first professional recording with a George Martin at EMI was on June the 6th. 1962. So my uh, sensibility is that they waited till I was in the world before they started their actual professional recording career. So that's my point. So I'm exactly as old as the Beatles uh, album career. That's the uh, reason they got turned down by Decca and such. That's right. If if I've been premature. (laughs) They needed your energy in the world. I think that's that's a logical explanation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, you know, being a kid uh, growing up in that era, of course, I would have been hearing Beatles songs on the radio in the background of whatever was happening and would have been vaguely aware of them. And um, one of the earliest memories I do have is my brother Danny, or Uncle Dan, uh, coming home from college. And he came home with a big reel-to-reel tape recorder. You know, it was sort of pre-cassette tape recording mm-hmm. time. Somehow we had property to this. I think it was from the, uh, the college radio station. Mm-hmm. I think he was a student at Bishop's University in Lenoxville, Quebec, and he came home with this reel-to-reel, and he had a tape that had uh, uh, Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane on it. And so he was playing this for us back in, you know, 67, and uh, and so I would have been five, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I was, anyway, mesmerized by watching the big wheels turning around and, and hearing the songs, which were striking to me even then at that really young age. And that was your first ever kind of... I would presume, cognizant- yeah. Uh, I think I think so. I mean, I didn't know. Oh, those are the Beatles, but but it's music. I do. Rem- I kind of somehow strangely remember that that moment. I have that vision in my mind in the living room and seeing this, of the real to real playing. Yeah, yeah, playing right. Playing the best double A side of all. Time. Well, tell me about it. Exactly, fantastic pieces of music. Uh, and then subsequent to that, you know, uh, growing up in our home back in uh, in the, the Gaspe Peninsula in Quebec, in the rural setting we were in, we were always out playing in the backyard. And my sister Alice was an avid pop music lover, mm-hmm. and uh, she had all the 45s, you know, playing on a little plastic battery-powered record player. All of us kids, neighborhood kids, cousins, friends, we'd be in the backyard running around, playing tag, whatever games were happening, and the music would be in the background, this, this little, uh, little uh, record player playing. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the records she had was Hello Goodbye. So I do remember that being uh, uh, an audio soundtrack for my, I guess, summer of, uh, that's, is that 68? That's still 67, right? Yeah. 68. Yeah, 67. Yeah, yeah. So those are maybe the three songs I would be, first be really consciously aware of. Mm-hmm. But uh, becoming a super fan, that came later when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, how old are you right now, Ethan? You're, uh, I'm, I'm 17. 17, okay. So I Don't I, get I, too ahead of yourself because there's like... <laughs> Uh, You know, I'll just jump into the... Oh, well, go ahead. Okay, just for the viewers at home, I have a list of five or five or six questions that I... I want to keep this structured like a conversation, but I I don't want to get lost. Mm -hmm. So, what was your first Beatles album or record? Well, let me me back up just one minute, because I can... The the one other thing I would say about... um, 
being introduced to the Beatles, I really owe it all to this revelationary moment, which I, I'm going to guess is when I was like 14. So what year is that? That's like uh, 74, 74, 75, somewhere in there. Didn't you My, tell me you remember seeing uh, uh, Alice and her friend with a copy of Abbey Road. Well, that's true, too. Alice, my sister Alice, when she was away at college, came home for a weekend with a, a friend of hers, a roommate maybe, or just a dear friend, a girl named Jane, really sweet, lovely person who came, she brought a bunch of records to play while they were visiting. <laughs> and had those, be- had those two Beatles records, had Abbey Road, had the White Album, and somehow I gleaned onto those and, and was listening to them, and she was kind enough to give them to me at the end of her visit. Oh. Uh, so I had copies that, you know, were brand new to me and uh, very excited about them. Mm-hmm. Beautiful music. But even, even a little before that, what had happened was my uh, closest friend, who's named Chuck Campbell, no relation, but Chuck Campbell, who lived back at home. Uh, his name is Charles Campbell now. He doesn't go by Chuck. But uh, he had come up with the red and the blue, so the two double albums. Yes. Sometime at that point in time, he came to visit, stayed overnight once, and played those for me. And I can tell you it was one of those moments in your life where you know something is changing and you're discovering something fantastic and it, it, you know literally literally life-changing it was so exciting the sequence of those songs how they all sounded so fresh and exciting how they progressed uh, you know from one idea to the next how they advanced and you know clear to me and their technical ability and the recording uh, technology and all these things the sequence from the beginning of that to the end, the beginning of the red to the end of the blue, is just completely mind-blowing. And, uh, I mean, I fell in love with that, that group and their music right then at that moment. I made a cassette tape out of it just by putting the little handheld cassette device up to the speaker and made my own copies, which I listened to incessantly for, you know, months on end. How before old I even, you? When- I'm, I'm going to guess. I'd have to work it out in maybe 13 or 14. 13 so the summer of 74... So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had great technology. I used to to, to eliminate stray sounds. I put the the tape deck in front of the speaker, and only one speaker, so I was only getting half the stereo anyway. <laughs> and I put a blanket over them both to muffle the sound, so that I didn't get like lawnmowers in the background or something. I thought I was being so high tech. But uh, anyway, that's how I I initially began playing their music all the time. And uh, and uh, those two records, I owe it all to Chuck Campbell, uh, dear friend. And Hi, you Chuck. Owe it all listening. to the red and the blue. And the red and the blue—they were—they were—they were, they were, they were mind-expanding uh, uh, artifacts. <laughs> Let's call them that. Fantastic art, and uh, and really changed my life in a lot of ways. So, you know, maybe a, a lifetime music lover. Uh, you know, eventually a musician, and uh, and all because of those two records. So, in terms you, of actual boys. like albums, what was yeah. the first proper album you had? So yeah, well, I would have gotten those two from from uh, my uh, sister Alice's friend Jane. And then, and then I began to buy them, uh, you know, locally if I could find them, but they weren't all available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the stories I've told you before about that copy of Meet the Beatles. Or no, the second album. What's the second album? The, uh, with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, and, and back at home in, you know, extreme rural Quebec, I found an actual British pressing and copy oh, of that album. Yeah, yeah, on a on a rack in a little, not even a music store, a little gift shop or something, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one of the first ones I bought for sure. And very, very, I'd, I'd love to know the story of how the heck this record wound up there. It doesn't even make any sense. It, it was an import from England. It was stuck a, in a French Canadian town. Uh, I saw. In most I took a place. look at it the last time I was at your house. It's mm-hmm. a 1969 mm-hmm. pressing. Pressing okay. So even then, it would have had to have been kicking around for five or six years yeah. <laughs> before I picked it up. You know, I have it in my hand right now in front of me. But the real, uh, the real British thing, anyway. Yeah. So uh, that was, uh, you know, I love that record. That's a beautiful record. Mm-hmm. One of the great, one of the great opening tracks on any album, if you ask me. It won't, it be, won't long. be long. It just bursts with energy. You know, see, it's that's just why I feel like us Canadians got the better end of the deal than the U.S. because they had to deal with the Meet the Beatles, and it starts right. off with. I think it's uh, I want to hold your hand. It starts off with right, right, right. We had some weird hybrids too. It's a great. I have some of those. You've seen the weird hybrids I have too, though. I have one called Twist and Shout. Oh yes. Well, that was one of the first ones you gave me. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, but that's that's uh, that's a Canadian one only too, isn't it? Yeah. Let me look at that. The track listing is basically the Please Please Me album minus some singles. It's 
it doesn't have I want to or it doesn't have I saw her standing there and it okay. added um, from me to you and she loves you exactly right I'm looking at that right now on my on my copy here too so yeah. it's a strange hybrid and then also the album called Long Tall Sally that's a weird one which is a weird one too and again it's a it's a Canadian shuffle I don't think it's American I think it's a Canadian product mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and look I'm looking at the credits on the back. Canadian album production by someone named Paul White. Yeah, so he go. was the president, I think, of Capitol Records Canada. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I came across these in a ragtag kind of way, and then also eventually your grandfather, my dad, mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, chairman of the local school board for many long years, about 20 years actually, mm-hmm. and uh, he used to travel to Montreal for school board meetings, province-wide school board meetings a lot of the time. Yes. And almost every month at a certain point in time. Uh, and uh, in those years, he was traveling there frequently. So I would ask him to pick me up one album each time he traveled. <laughs> so over the course of a year, I think I assembled the whole set of Beatles records one by one. I'd give him a very specific title. He'd pop into a music store on St. Catherine's and bring it home for me every time. Dear, dear father. And uh, so that's which, how I assembled it. Do you remember which one was the first one he brought back for you? Uh, it'd be hard to say I, mean, I can't remember specifically i can remember for instance when he brought rubber soul home. hello and again the, the when he rubber soul, i would uh you know Sorry, I'd I, the record i just cut out for a second oh okay and still there yeah go back to i when, hear you fine go back mm-hmm. to the start of you said rubber soul mm-hmm. sure or he got yeah, so he soul. um yeah, that's certainly one of the earliest ones. And uh, and the whole procedure would be he'd buy the album and come home on the train. Uh, I'd meet him at the station almost and uh, say, okay, hand it over. And uh, I'd run home and tear the plastic off and put it on the turntable. Oh, you and, tore the plastic uh, off. I know. I wasn't a collector back then. See, that's why mine are all scuffed up and yours are so pristine. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway. Not again, all of mine are just, so pristine. The ones yeah. I got from you. <laughs> Well, exactly, because they were, you know, they were hard work to records, boy. They got yeah. quite a lot and they, carried they around the college stripes. rooms. Oh yeah, they've been they've been carted in milk cartons from place to place over the decades. Now um, they've earned their luxury retirement and that's right in a curated environment. <laughs> the most exciting uh, album I ever put on in my whole life was Revolver, and I can remember this moment really specifically, Ethan. I was visiting a friend in Montreal. This is a few years later. So yes. I was in college in Quebec. I went to Sejep in Lenoxville, Quebec, and I'd go to visit a friend in Montreal. And just for out- the viewer, or just for the listeners mm-hmm. at home, Sejep uh, yeah. is right. Quebec's college equivalent level. of Like a community 12. college. Yeah, yeah, community, yeah, sort of community calls. It's away from home. I was, I was, you know, hundreds of miles from home, staying in a dorm, yes. and uh, meeting, you know, learning a lot about music there too from other people I was meeting, learning about whatever Bruce Springsteen and Steely Dan and other bands I came to love, but still being a Beatle nut. Mm-hmm. And I went into Montreal and uh, picked up uh, Revolver. It might have and, been even a little earlier than that. And you hadn't heard Revolver up to this point? I had not heard it, no, start to finish or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I took it back to his apartment. He was gone for the day. I put it on. I, I can still remember the day, the sunshine coming in the window of the high-rise apartment and putting this thing on and just like being amazed from start to finish of the the perfection of this record, the great pop songwriting, the, the diversity, you know, the rockers and the ballads. And of course, culminating with the greatest piece of recorded pop music in history, to my tastes, which is Tomorrow Never Knows. Exactly. And, and feeling like, I can't believe how good this is. <laughs> it it I, still holds up to this day. Well, number one record of all time, I'll tell anyone that anytime. No. Yeah. I, I, have, I, have, I have 100 number two records and I have one number one. That's, yeah. that's Revolver. It's so. anytime I ask someone uh, what their favorite Beatles album, I always make sure to say, Remember, though, there is one correct answer, and I will chastise you if you don't say. There, now that's a, that's a wise man. That's good. That's yeah. good. Because <laughs> Revolver is the best Beatles album. I would have to say that they're just hitting their peak so beautifully. They're, yeah. they're all their songwriting is at maximum intensity. It's, they're so they're still like highly energetic and 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 fun. They um, brought everything they did well with Rubber Soul. Yeah. And got rid of the things that made Rubber Soul kind of boring to me. Well, there and you go. I, w- I would never say those words out loud, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's it's more energetic, and yeah. and then they, there's experimentation. They there's replaced a lot of, the folk 
with yeah, LSD. Right, right. Gotcha, right. Yeah, yeah, good point. There's lots of experimentation on there. Great sonic experimentation on, on many of the songs. So, Did you know so, the first song recorded for that album was, believe it or not, Tomorrow Never Knows? That's right. Well, on the anthology, you get to hear that really weird first take, which is like just a drone that's you know not yeah. that interesting, but interesting to hear. But uh, the Beatles had they like hard just come off their like... 1965 world tour yeah yeah and so they pop into emi and i'm guessing they're expecting to like put out another you know we can work it out but then right. they record this monster piece <laughs> monster piece good word <laughs> yeah gorgeous thing anyway i mean it oh, still sounds like i always say it sounds like music from the future to yeah. me still today you know so that beat that, when that beat hits and those seagulls start squawking and uh, all that psychedelic swirling and then lennon's voice on the mountaintop and uh, yeah. it's just entrancing you know i still love it love it all the pieces it's in my school high school yearbook favorite song you know really <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's on record <laughs> so hasn't changed so anyway, that's that's how I assemble these records, one after another, each one a revelation, each one so exciting and, and pleasing. Out of curiosity, to, to which was meet. which one, if you remember, was the last one for you to find? Uh, you know, it was probably Hey Jude. Probably about that that another hybrid. Is that Canadian only, or is that also no, that's, in America? That's American. Yeah, so it might have been that. That sort of filled in all the blanks at the end. I think. Yeah. Was. Uh, was that one and I, you know I love it as an album in a, in a weird way even though it's not doesn't make sense as an album but uh, you know you sort of get used to the sequence and think yeah that's pretty good I always liked the cover I thought the cover was great oh yeah well it's so, a great cover yeah, um, yeah, yeah now were you just getting the albums because I, st- I have a few singles that came from right me. Yeah, right. At that point in time, there was like nowhere for me to buy the singles. I guess in, in, if I was in Montreal, which I used to visit fairly frequently, visiting my friend there, my friend John Plant. Mm-hmm. Dear friend John, if you're listening, how are you? Uh, John taught me more about music than I'll uh, ever forget of all kinds, uh, pop and classical and everything. But uh, if I was visiting him, I might uh, stop off and pick up, because I, I think I gave you a couple of singles, the paper, yes. uh, the cover, picture covers, yeah. That would have been just a handful that I'd ever bought of singles because, uh, you know, albums were fine by me. But uh, I know you've got a beautiful collection of all manner of singles. They're really cool. So. It's it's growing slowly. Mm-hmm. It's not as big as I'd like it to be, but right. it's bigger than most. Well, there you go, bro. There's lots of time left to keep collecting. Oh, yeah. I'm only <laughs> yeah. 17. There you go, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, oh, that's how I would of, describe. This mm-hmm. is a very, uh, very off-topic tangent. Okay, sure. Uh, yesterday, we kind of broke a little bit of the coronavirus rules. Oh. Uh, I had some money to spend, and mm-hmm. so mom felt bad for us being like locked in for so long. Cooped up for so long. Yeah. So it's four weeks now. Yeah. It's like going on five. Uh, it's crazy. So yeah. uh, there's a guy on Facebook who like is a dealer at record shows and um he had a copy of days of future past by the moody blues an original oh, british cool. copy oh that's cool and so i i picked that your aunt up. alice had that record your aunt alice had that record i remember it being in the house you know she had lots Impassioned of cool lovers wrestle as one <laughs> senior citizens wish they were young that sounds like spinal tap it does <laughs> no one knows who they were, or oh, what, what they, they were doing. doing. All that remains is the legacy of Stonehenge. <laughs> there we have it. There we have it. Speaking of Spinal Tap, I'm, I'm assuming you've heard it. You, have you heard the Trogs tapes? I don't think I have heard them. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they're legendary sort of what's studio background talk stuff. Is that yeah. what they are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard them. Never heard them. You showed me the birds stir- studio. Right, argument. right. That mystery track on the birds reissue album of uh, Sweetheart, not Sweetheart of the Rodeo, but the other one. Anyway, the Notorious yeah. Birds. Correct, correct. Notorious but Brothers, this, yeah. this was straight up um, inspiration for the scene in Spinal Tap where they're in the studio fighting. Okay. Like the it's your fucking <laughs> wife. <laughs> oh, careful with language on your uh, podcast. Careful. Ah, it doesn't okay. matter. I have to edit that. No, I don't think it matters either. No, not a bit. it's my Couldn't podcast. I don't give a. I don't give a. F- oh, sorry, I won't say that. It's uh, not. I'll like mention like I've, I've made some notes here. I made some notes before we talk. Let me mention one other thing. You know that uh, Rarities album. Yes. And the Rarities album has the the uh, the um, 
Penny Lane version, yes. which is the Canadian-only version with the extra trumpet trill at the it's end. It's not the Canadian-only, but it was on... Like, oh, I thought it was. It was a Capitol Records promo single. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, but I thought I, I thought it was the version that Canadians heard on the radio because I, I distinctly remember the last trumpet part. Mm-hmm. From no, it would have been somehow. like a radio, like you would have heard oh, it good. on the radio. Okay. Right, okay, okay. So I was always wondering, like, am I wrong about that? But I did remember that when I finally got to hear the Rarities album. I said, that is what I remember. So I wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. <laughs> that Rarities album, I still don't get why they haven't reissued it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or at least incorporated it all in with the anthology. That would have been plausible. Or Although I think at this uh, point in time, they're all available in some form or another. Digitally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I presume, why not? Why hold back? I think they all are. Yeah, yeah. Because some of the stuff, like, I think Sleep Deek is on there. That's Mm -hmm. not hard to find anymore. It's on Past Masters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 the German ones, yeah. Yeah. Where did I just hear? Oh, you know what I just watched on the the video was the the film Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and it's uh, Come Give Me a Hand. Yeah, they use it. That's great. I think that's really, really clever. And then it's it's Bowie singing singing Heroes in German, too, which I knew about that track, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was good. Oh, wow. We're very topic. No way, I'm not really. One thing leads to another in the music world. You're allowed to roam. Yeah. So that that was your first period of being a Beatles fan. That's right. Now you've told uh, me. Well, you know, one, one other thing I'll mention. I'll just mention at the, simultaneously to getting my uh, first Beatles records, probably from um, from this girl Jane, uh, the the White Album and Abbey Road. Alice detected how much I was liking Beatles, and at that time, uh, Cracker Box Palace was on mm-hmm. the radio in Canada. George Harrison's track from Thirty Three and a Third. Mm-hmm. And so that would make it 77, I think. 76, I think. 76, okay, yeah, yeah, so I'm not too sure. But um, anyway, because she knew I loved that song, she bought me the album. So like my first contemporary album I ever owned was 33 and a Third by George Harrison, mm-hmm. which uh, which I'm really fond of too. I think it's a really nice record. It's a great, and, uh, it's a great song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that and whole 33 nice and a Third album is, it's yeah. a little quirky, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a certain tone. This and song. Feel. Yeah, it, yeah. It, his response to yeah, the, the snarkiest to the, the song ever written. <laughs> it is, but in tongue in cheek too. Oh so. yeah, uh, it's great. It's great. And the one with the race car noises and uh, yeah. oh no, that's the next album I think. Anyway, uh, anyway, I like that record. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of dear to me because it was like my first. Okay, now I'm getting music that's new, you know. So that was fun. So this. Um, I know you moved to Toronto in, was it the late 70s or early 80s? Uh, b- 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 yeah, something like that. No, uh, probably, yeah, I think I was in, uh, I, I was a student at York University in 80, 81, I think. So yes, probably and 1980. And then your big phase of record collecting started. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was coming together by then because I'd been away to college for two years before then. So bit by bit I was getting, you know, I had one milk carton full and then I had two milk cartons full and then it was getting heavier to transport. Uh, so I was branching out into a bunch of things, you know, classic 60s, Stones yeah. and The Who and, and Bob Dylan and, and, um, and some contemporary things too. Beatles memories of d- those Saturday mornings digging around at like Sam oh, the yeah, Record man. Man. I love that. Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. you ended up with all those imports that you've given me, I think. Right, right, right. Must yeah, be. Yeah. But by that time, I, I'd pro- I probably had everything by the Beatles by that time. I'll tell you the, the, the saddest thing about when I was at my first year of college, of course, in uh, university in Toronto was it was 1980. And so in December, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the terrible tragedy happened. And I remember that night so well. It's, you know, people remember the John F. Kennedy assassination. Well, I remember John Lennon assassination. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I was studying for exams because it was right before Christmas exam period and staying up late with friends and this news came on the radio and uh, coincidentally I was studying with a friend who was kind of a John Lennon nut, not just a Beatle fan, but had John Lennon poster on her wall type of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was a really sad, you know, we just stopped studying our papers and, and stayed up all night listening to radio and playing songs and stuff, a, a terribly sad night. So yeah. 40 years ago this year, could you believe it? I can't believe it. 40 That's years. what it is. I mean, his whole life again, right? He died yeah. at 40. So. Uh, a sad, sad anniversary coming up this year. But anyway, I remember that night. It was sort of a big Beatle memory that year, a sad one. 
It's not um, even Julian is older than he ever was. Now Sean is older than. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Well, time flies, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I can I can promise you it does. So uh, so anyway, uh, at that time I was expanding out into all kinds of other things, including beat, uh, solo music by Beatles, which I you know liked to a large degree too, bit by bit. You know, Lennon albums, McCartney albums, and uh, and then all manner of other things that. I notice how you didn't say Ringo albums. Well, I love the Ringo album. The Ringo album is a really fun it, record. It's it? basically uh, the closest it's thing a to reunion. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's charming. It's fun. Nice songwriting. Really you know, good. Goodnight Vienna is good too. I like that song a lot. Yeah, I uh, I, I remember acquiring one of them, like Roto Gravure or Ringo's Bad Boy. Oh is that yeah. What it is? yeah, I had one of those at a certain point in time. I, back when, when I was still at home, actually, I, mm-hmm. I had it and I think I lost it. And I remember playing it and thinking, "Not well, a huge a loss." Not a huge loss. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ringo. We're not. We're just making jokes. Peace not and real. love. Peace and love. Peace and love and broccoli and blueberries. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I remember listening to it and think, "Well, it's a Beatle. I've got to listen to this." And you know, there were tracks in there I enjoyed too. So I mean. None of it's entirely disposable, but of course there were good and bad solo records, and McCartney's got some pretty crappy ones uh, by well, times. I don't Hitting know if I've, I've told you this. Yeah. I think I might have. While talking with Mark Lewison, world's greatest Beatles historian, Indeed, I, yes. I told him because we were talking about uh, Rupert and the Frog song. Oh, and, uh, bear. Yeah. Oh, is is he I, a bear? I think he's a bear. I thought he was a frog. Well, he's an animal. Yeah. Um, but I, and then give my regards to Broad Street came up and (laughs) you tell the story first and then I'll say what Mark Lewis story. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, over my years of being a movie buff too, and seeing all kinds of films and theaters, I've only ever walked out twice. And once was from Flashdance, which as a young, uh, you know, late teen adult, I should have really enjoyed with all the sexy dancing and stuff. But I just thought eventually, this is way too stupid. Let's get the hell out of here. (laughs) My friend I was with, like, uh, even I can't wait for the sexy stuff enduring this acting, this quasi acting. Yeah. And then the second movie ever that I walked out on was Give My Regards to Broad Streets. And again, for pretty much the same reason. Yeah, Paul, I love you, buddy, but man, this is bad. This That's is what bad. happens when no one tells you no. <laughs> yes, yes, man, all around. Exactly. Somebody should have said, wait a minute, why don't we write a script first? You know, silly movie. And, and anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to bash him on yeah. that. I've never listened much to the re-recordings of the songs. Have you given those a listen? Are they, are they interesting or good or? I, I, I. That's the only McCartney album which I don't own a copy of. Okay. Except right. for what's it? Wildlife. I don't own oh, yeah, Wildlife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have Wildlife uh, on CD. I could, uh, I could loan that to you. It's an interesting record. Some stuff I like on there. Is that the but, one with a uh, Sea Moon and? I think it's got like bip bop and oh, uh, and give Ireland or back to the, the Irish. Well, that was I think a single only, which I always liked that song a lot. I'm a fan of that song. But, but, I find uh, weird that both John and Paul had songs in the UK charts about Ireland at the same time. Yeah, well, I think Paul was kind of a copycat, maybe in that respect. I think Paul was trying to get some legitimacy as being a political activist man. Yeah, uh, and it was but only, nevertheless, I like the sentiment. I think it's a pretty good song. It was only uh, like but, a couple months after. Bloody oh, what's Sunday. the one on there I like? I like I like the one that's just like all uh, all like sounds like uh, it's a it's a word like uh, mumbo, mumbo mumbo is that on rant or is that on uh, wildlife? I always like that one because it's so. to me it's a pun. It's like the words are unintelligible because he's mumbling them, so it's mumbo. <laughs> I think that's the idea, and I think it's funny. I think it's good. Um, and wildlife's okay, you know, some good stuff on there. Not, not hit, his hit finest yes. moment. Not by far not. But with, when it comes to him, you know, if I want to compile a, a collection of songs, and I've done that many times, I'm an old school, you know, I'm an old man, so I still do it on CD. I put together collections on CD, and, uh, you know, I'll pick and choose from records, and, and uh, throughout yeah. the whole career, I find stuff I really like, you know? I find that. A big, McCartney big barn has. bed, and, you know, so, you know the stuff There's on good every McCartney record. stuff from every era, but there That's are a few significant too. dark ages. Oh, yeah, and, and whole, you know, sides I don't want to ever hear again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For like, sure. Um, you I, know, just, I never want to listen to Driving Rain ever again. Oh, well, I'm not too down on that. There's stuff I like on there. Uh, the, I don't really I like. like the Memory Almost Full. 
out. Right. I don't don't play it very often. I have to agree there. But uh, but again, it's all hit and miss. I yeah. pick one here, I pick one there, and you, you assemble that. I'm a big fan of Flaming Pie, though. Oh, it's, it's I think maybe his best solo record. Band on the Run or that one. I, I have to go with Ram. Yeah, I love Ram too. I love it. I do, and there's a great, a great double, uh, you know, reissue with extra stuff too. And uh, mm-hmm. and I really like Ram a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Yeah. You know, if although was, Uncle Albert, Albert Halsey yeah. is a little too goo goo doll for me, but uh, other than that, if it, I am a fan. I have a copy that came out a few years ago of mm-hmm. Ram in mono. Oh, well, that's cool. That yeah, if yeah. it wasn't factory sealed, I would uh, transfer you a copy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can well, that's enjoy fine, it. that's fine. Yeah. I, I can't make those distinctions. I have old man ears. I can't make a distinction between stereo and mono anymore. So. No, I know, but that's why you prefer the mono. Well, that's true. Oh, very good point. Thank you. Yes, that's thoughtful. Yes, yes, true. Mm-hmm. So, next topic, since I think we've kind of run about that one. What, mm-hmm. what did the Beatles mean to you back then? as opposed to what they mean to you now? Well, that's an interesting question. Well, at the time, in the 70s, uh, when I was discovering them, you know, contemporary music, there was a lot of stuff I didn't care about. Uh, you know, it was disco, there was a certain amount of heavy metal, certain kind of pop music. That disco I duck. Was... <laughs> yeah, there was that. Muskrat love. <laughs> Look at that, you see? All-time classics. It should be an animal anthology of, uh, of uh, 1970s music. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was not inspiring to me or that interesting. And uh, nor should and, it be. Uh, nor should it be. And so when uh, when I discovered this music that was so fresh and vibrant and smart and beautiful, uh, that was like a revelation and a kind of salvation, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot. I mean, having said that, a lot of that music now from the seventies, I do like. I like disco music now and all kinds of stuff. I kind of learned to like in retrospect. But at the time, it was a real breakthrough and uh, and. Uh, that's what it meant. It was happy, exciting stuff, you know. Um, and also, uh, I learned to play guitar uh, based on Beatles. So being so enthusiastic about their music um, and uh, learning, starting to learn to play guitar, again, thanks to your Aunt Alice, my sister Alice, mm-hmm. um, my parents bought me a guitar and they bought me a big, thick like Beatles piano book, almost complete. It didn't have Georgia's songs because they were a different publisher, mm-hmm. but it was a book called Beatles Complete with the P-L-E-A-T, the old-fashioned kind of spelling. Yeah. And a very thick volume, mostly for piano. So for guitar player, you don't need all that note stuff because I didn't learn that note stuff. But what it had was the little chord diagrams, the six-string mm-hmm. chord diagrams with the dots. And so really, I learned to play guitar. I learned chords. I learned chord sequences from that book of Beatles music. So that was very key to me, very significant at that time. And, you know, I still love playing those songs and uh, that's how I learned to play guitar, was Beatles. I mean, John, the reason why I picked up a guitar was because I wanted to learn how to play like John Lennon. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he's a wonderful, uh, fantastic rhythm and uh, yeah. a brutal solo guitar player. So, yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, Another thing with Beatles at the time, I discovered uh, music, Beatles uh, music books and becoming a music fan at the time and being in a, again, a bookstore in Montreal and seeing, oh, there's a music section in this store. And the very first music book I bought, and I mean, I have hundreds of music books now, but the first book I ever bought was one called The Beatles and Illustrated Record uh, by Roy Carr and Tony Tyler, I guess you're, British. You're not alone on that one. That was critics. many people's first. Oh, is that right? Cool. This is the revised 1978 updated issue. I still have the copy, slightly torn and worn, but it was like my Bible for the longest time too, yeah. and tracking things down. And, uh, and, and then other books followed, you know. I certainly I have Mark Lewison's uh, complete recording sessions one from the, from the late 80s and uh, and a lot of Beatle books and a lot of other books too, like it's a library now of music books. But it was kind of neat to say, oh, they could, you, know, you can read about music, not just listen to it. It was a, another revelation anyway. Yeah. At that time. So, yeah. But That's what, what it meant. <laughs> what does it mean to you? What does the Beatles music mean to you now? Well, it's just such a part of my, the fabric of my soul. That sounds very pompous and poetic, but it's really true. You know, that this stuff's inside pompous. you. Well, thank you. This is a judgment-free zone. So very good, as it should be. Uh, 
you know that stuff it, it it becomes who you are the music that you love and uh and they're the the foundation of the music that i came to love pop music and so they're real deeply embedded those songs just mean everything to me i love hearing them i love playing them and singing them um and i always will and uh i always will try to pass on that joy to other people including nephews anybody who wants to hear about it so uh it's an enduring fascination well because you're you're way surpassing me in your expertise and knowledge and uh, you're way ahead of me pal you have to uh, start somewhere though yeah that's true i you know i became sort of an amateur musician over the years i played in many bands with friends and we always did beatle covers and uh, what we always try to do is, my, my philosophy of being in a, you know, a bar band is if you're going to do covers, do obscure covers because people who don't know them will think you made up a good song and people who do know them will think you picked a really hip song. So it works both ways. Yeah. So we would cover songs like, you know, I've Got a Feeling, our band, we always did that one. Uh, we did Wait from Rubber oh. Soul, which is quite an obscure little track to do, and we were good with the harmony singing, and we made a, we did good versions of these songs. And then one thing I'm extremely proud of, and I, I make this claim, there may be other people on planet Earth who can also make this claim, but when the anthology program aired, the first, uh, uh, the first uh, installment of the three, it was three, right? Yes. Back in the day. And what year was that, Ethan? I don't 1995. remember. 1995. It was later that okay so in 95 we were all excited us Beatle fans were all excited to watch this program i taped it off of the tv with a vhs tape and they played of course the big countdown to the new song at the end free as a bird which i think is a great song i don't care what anybody ever says i, I love free fantastic. as a bird yeah good for you i prefer some people, real love but some people poo on them both and i think that's terrible i think it's a fantastic it's, it's i've all heard people hope say for. it's kind of like grave robbing no, no, that's idiotic. That's silly. It's done in complete conjunction, you know, with every party that was in, you know, had a right to be involved. So that's yeah. nonsense. But uh, anyway, I sat down and I learned the song as well as I could from listening to it. The next night, my band, I was in a band then called LSQ, mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't mean anything, but that was our name of our band. We were playing at Clinton's Tavern, which has just closed recently. That's in Toronto, here on Bloor Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's closed forever, unfortunately. But we were playing a gig that next night, which I guess would have been a Monday night. And uh, I taught the guys in the band this song as quickly as I could before we played. And we performed it on stage 24 hours after it was aired on TV. So I don't know how many other bands did that. but That reminds anyway. me of the story of uh, Hendrix playing oh, yes. Sergeant, Sergeant Pepper, Pepper. That's right. Two days after it came out in front yeah. of the Beatles at Brian or, Epstein's or, or theater. Or was it not even before? Like, didn't he hear them, hear an acetate or something? Or? No, it had just come out on oh, okay, Friday, okay, cool. and he played it yeah. for them on the Sunday. That must have been a mind-blowing thing. But mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm very proud of that. I'm among the first people ever to cover that song. So we probably played a terrible version. I don't think we recorded it, so I have no idea what it sounded like, but we gave it our all. <laughs> so Are there, there any specific Beatles songs that, like, evoke certain memories, like vivid memories when you hear a certain Beatles song? Uh, well, uh, certainly many, many of them, I would say. Like, like I mentioned with the Tomorrow Never Knows, uh, Let It Be is a song that can touch me a lot because, uh, as you know, your grandmother's name was Mary. My mother Mary is an actual mother Mary. So when I hear that, and sometimes if I've heard, you know, Alice, your Aunt Alice was here in Toronto last year. We were out walking around together. We heard a busker playing that song. We both got quite emotional hearing that song being played, you know. Yeah. I know for her it means a lot. Me, me, it means a lot, too. So when we saw, that's an example. When we saw Mac alive, he did let it oh, be, yeah. and Mum started crying. Oh, there you go. You see, there you go. So it's, and there's every family in the world who has a Mother Mary. <laughs> we'll react that way. Uh, but there's so many. I mean, good Lord, you know. I remember a, a, one example is, uh, is um, Rocky Raccoon, because that's one of the ones I learned to play on guitar early on. And, 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 you know, you can play pretty rudimentary guitar and make it sound like what Paul was playing. So mm -hmm. it was a nice moment where, hey, I really sound like a Beatles record. Well, I'm playing the song. That's know? the great thing about the Beatles um, mm -hmm. for people who want to play music. Mm -hmm. there, it's not complex it's not that yeah. hard like a lot of it mm -hmm. is still from that buddy holly three chord mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's easy yeah. to pick up a guitar and learn these songs Although but again you, it also mm -hmm. provides like more challenge as you go on right uh, right 
Like Although even, listeners to this, uh, this uh, podcast may not realize you're a musician, Ethan. You're an aspiring guitar player who's getting to be really good. And you always impress me. You're learning all those riffs, like precisely how they're played. So you can play a lot of Beatles stuff on your guitar, which thank you. even I, I never made the effort to, to learn them so accurately. So I'm impressed with how you do that. And, well, and as you say, the chords can be simple, but the arrangements can be pretty complicated. And, yeah. Because you know? if you want to play um, She Loves You, for instance, mm-hmm. you can just play like G. Solid, you know? Yeah, you can just play like uh, G, A minor, and yeah, then D. Work that out. And then mm-hmm. that's fine. But if you want to learn like George's, it, yeah. it's way harder than that. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Very good. What is your favorite memory of being a Beatles? Uh, what is your favorite mm-hmm. memory of being a Beatles fan, or a memory about the Beatles? See, that's the good thing I about this podcast. Yeah. Um, you can edit. <laughs> well, I'm not even going to edit. It's yeah. just, yeah. you know, natural things happen, and I'm not going to try to hide that. Good for you. I agree with that too. Yeah. In fact, I may belch. I may belch here just to emphasize that <laughs> there. Uh, I can give some examples because uh, I, I will admit you did pre-feed me some of these questions. I was able to think about it in advance. And uh, don't and, pull back uh, the facade. <laughs> that's right. It's the man at the microphone. Um, well, as I mentioned, listening to Revolver the first time that was extremely exciting. But you know what? I also saw the the original Beatlemania touring show. Really? And you'd have to tell me what year that was. Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Seventy-nine. Right. Marshall Crenshaw, one of my favorite pop musicians, was John Lennon in that, in that really? configuration. And so I saw that in Montreal, yeah, I think uh, Theatre St. Denis in Montreal or something like that. And uh, that was very exciting at the time because, you know, it really was a good copy. They did a great job. And then also here in Toronto over the years, there's a group that go by the name of uh, uh, sort of an assembly of musicians that do classic albums live. Yeah. You've heard of that, of course. They do they them here in uh, Kitchener, too. Okay, great, great. They do them at uh, a Center in the Square. I've been to a couple of those that were fantastic. One was Rubber Soul and Revolver together in a sequence. That was great. And then they did the White Album, which was, and, and this is in a little club. I think it's the Phoenix Club in Toronto mm-hmm. on, uh, on uh, Jarvis Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, the White Album was fantastic. I think they had a little string quartet to do parts. They did Revolution Number no. 9 with a kind of a psychedelic acting out show on stage. They did the whole thing, start to finish, and uh, super impressive how they took on every style of music on that record and recreated it. So that was, uh, that was awfully good. I enjoyed those nights. I've never seen any solo Beatles, though. You've seen Ringo, you've seen Paul. I've never seen anyone, so you're lucky. Yeah, um, I saw Paul twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have. I'm sh- sad. <laughs> I, I've seen Ringo, although if I'm being fair, comparing him to Paul is not fair. Because well, seeing um, Ringo live... The, obviously, it's not the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Seeing Ringo live is a lot like not seeing Ringo live at all. Ah, interesting. <laughs> well, so many other musicians are on, on yeah. stage with him, too, you know? It's, I, I think I it's had, a fun evening. I think that's the it, intention. It was fun, but it was a little frustrating mm-hmm. to keep having to pull out my phone to go to setlist.com. It's like, oh, okay. they're playing another Toto song right now. Oh, when are they right, going to yeah. play a Ringo song? <laughs> I only know one Toto song, so there you go. I would have been lost, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's my story, nephew. That's me and the Beatles, a lifelong uh, happy journey and continue to be so. Maybe it'll be the last thought I have in my head will be the end (laughs) when the day comes. That's what I would say. What else can I tell you? Um... I... Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of... See, since this is, this is the first podcast, so I'm still right. trying to figure out things to do. Right. Well, you covered a lot there. That's a, well, good, that's a good sequence of questions. Let me ask you some more. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to wrap up before too long, I have to okay. say. I can't. Yeah. No problem. But, but certainly, go ahead. And, and I'll ask you some kind of Spitfire ones. All right. Favorite Beatles These, album? Favorite Beatles album? Uh, well, as I say, Revolver, yes. and then probably White Album after that. White Album. Really? The, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I thought so you would have said, uh, like, Rubber Soul. Well, I absolutely love it. And, of course, I love Abbey Road. And, of course, I love everything. I love Hard Day's Night. I love it. I really love them all. Uh, except maybe, you know, Beatles for Sale is where what? it flags a little bit. What? Well, you see, there you go. There you go. There you go. So different. Uh, I, I love that album. Well, I don't, I don't despise it. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But if I was going to rank them, I would put that last on the list, I would have to say. Ahead um, of Yellow Submarine? Well, that's not a real album. Oh, no, below Yellow Submarine. I guess, I guess ahead or below, but I don't, I don't count Yellow Submarine as a real album. Yeah. I like, I like the songs on it, but it's, uh, it's not a, an official release in some ways. And Abbey Road, I mean, my God, that's gigantic too. So, I mean, I love them all. Besides the aforementioned Tomorrow Never Knows, what is your mm-hmm. favorite Beatles song? Well, you know, here's a weird choice. I like, I like, uh, I mean, everyone is near and dear. I'm a big fan of Martha, my dear. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. I, I just love the arrangement. I love the piano part. Mm-hmm. And I tried to learn it when I was young. I was taking piano lessons way back in those early days when I was discovering these albums. And I actually figured it out on piano myself. I was very proud of myself. And it's pretty tricky to play because it's in the you know it's in the black keys, not just the white ones. And I played it for my friend John, who was my piano teacher at the time. And he said, "Oh, you're playing it much too complicated because my turntable was a little too fast, so I was playing it one, one half key sharp. So if you move it down one, it's much much easier." So, uh, but I really love that song. I, I, there's something about it. I just I don't know. It's it's warm. It's fun. It's beautiful. Playful. Uh, it's about a dog. You know, yeah. it's a great song. Great song. That was not the answer I was expecting. Oh, well, there you go. What did but, you think I was going to say? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, oh, well. Uh, that's the good thing about the Beatles. They're, yeah. it's, they're the most popular band in the world, mm-hmm. yet there are so many deep cuts. Oh, well, nonstop, nonstop. Mm-hmm. I know I sent to you one time, I made two, again, old man, I make CDs, a collection mm-hmm. still, folks. Sorry about that. I don't stream on Spotify. And... Uh, and I made a couple, I think I sent you copies of the artwork of, of yes. uh, deep tracks, all deep tracks, two volumes, you know, like 60 songs or something. And I just adore all of them. <laughs> so it's impossible to pick. That's, I would pick a different song tomorrow if you asked me tomorrow. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. What is your I, least favorite Beatles song? The same as everybody else. You know what it is. Come on, say it with me. Are you Mr. Say- Moonlight. Oh. Isn't that not a universal uh, choice? I thought it would it's- be. Actually, I think it might be universal, like one of the least favorites, but I I will be the lone defender in this. Mm -hmm. I like Mr. Moonlight. All right. Good for you, poor kid. I I do kind of like it. It's an odd little cover. It's I think it's that organ that throws me off. Yeah, it sounds like a roller rink uh, on on quaaludes or something. But <laughs> but uh, roller anyway. rink on quaaludes. <laughs> I should have had that on the liner notes. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, and then you know I'm not a fan of Run for Your Life either. I think we yeah. discussed that before. And I don't like songs about people killing people. And yeah. Even you know jealous love murder songs. I'm not a fan because what about the in song the real you world can't that do stuff that. actually happens. Yeah, that's probably badly dated. I love the I love the riff though. I love oh, this yeah. song. The twelve string. Rick well, Lennon Patrick. Lennon was a hard man, you know. You read his biography. He yeah. wasn't uh, always nice. People think he's the saint of peace and love. Um, oh, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. No. So he was flawed in many ways, and uh, I'm glad he got over those flaws. It would seem. But uh, yeah. anyway, it's a, it's a terrific rock song. <laughs> yeah. Really, Mr. Moonlight. I, I bet you 9 out of 10, you know, knowledgeable Beatles fans would give that answer. I, that's my guess, but I could be wrong. Uh, oh, it's, I, I, in this scenario, I don't care what the knowledgeable people, blah, 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 blah. I want to know right, what right, you right. think. Well, that's the I'm concept you, of the podcast. I'm giving you clear and straight, boy. Oh, clear no, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, for some reason, a lot of, I think my least favorite Beatles song would have to be uh, The Long and Winding Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can sort of see that. It's maudlin in some ways. Dull and plodding. It's better without the the orchestra. The the orchestra makes it really overblown. Yeah. I I can sort of get what you're saying, but I do. It's a travesty that uh, For You Blue was the B-side, because that's such a great little song. It's great. I don't know how super commercial it is, whether it would have yeah. been a hit potential, but I do like it. Yeah, I, like I always it. lump uh, For You Blue and Old Brown Shoe together. They've got the same kind of groove, don't they? Kind of yeah. a, kind of a loping uh, kind of groove there. Old yeah. Brown Shoe is 
one of my favorite Beatles songs. Oh, is that right? That's cool. Yeah. That's good. I like that song too. I like <laughs> I like Georgia's songs. We're going right back to the second album, to the Don't Bother Me. I'm a fan of that song all the way. I yeah. just gave uh, the Wonderwall music soundtrack a listen the other day. Okay. I've never heard it. <laughs> it's pioneering it's, electronica, isn't it? No, that's the next one. This, it's, there's oh, okay. a lot of sitar. There's a lot of sitar. Oh, okay, okay. It's All very right. trippy. It's very weird. Yeah. But I like All it. Right. Mm-hmm. I had no idea uh, what was I'll going t- on. When we're all free to roam again, I'll come over and listen to it at your place. <laughs> yeah. Ethan, I'm, going to have to, I'm going to have to wrap up soon, my uh, dear nephew. All right. So I'll give you one more question for the night. What? Any exciting, unique, weird, what do you got to ask? Um, oh. I'm looking through my list of things I wanted to mention here, too. And, uh, and uh, I think I've got it. Uh, I think I mentioned everything I had in mind that I wanted to say about the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. What in the future are you looking or do you want to see come out of the Apple vaults? Well, here's what? a good example. A, a good authoritative uh, Let It Be movie. That's never been happening, has it? It could be coming and, this year. They should dig, They should do something with that. They should. I, they I'm are. Sure there's a lot of hesitation. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Is there, it's that, Peter know, it's Jackson doing it. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. That's he's, weird. he's doing the same kind of we thing could, he did on... Uh, they shall grow not old. With the I, I, you know, I watched that recently. I watched that World War One documentary. Yeah. I think that's possibly the most amazing documentary I've ever seen. So I think it's, that's fantastic. It's the same team. Oh, that's interesting. So they're going to reconfigure it and re-edit and stuff. Okay, yeah. okay. That's Some people really are neat. afraid of it becoming a little, uh, you know, too hageographic or. Uh, rewriting history, so to right, speak. right, right. Yeah. Well, well, I was reading some McCartney stuff recently where he said, you know, the movie picked all the worst moments, and there were good moments as well, and he can recall them vividly. And maybe they're on film too. Maybe the editor decided not to use those. So, well, but I we'll don't see. know why we'll someone would intentionally try and make a, a negative movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Anyway, I look forward to seeing that. That would be great. Because be all of the. Uh, studio logs uh, of the Let It Be sessions, they're all available. And I read okay. through some of the transcripts, and mm-hmm. it's not like they were happy. Right, like right, they right. were they weren't like snapping no. and bitchy at each other, but they there was they such were, a layer of passive aggressiveness. Animosity, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably just tired of the whole thing. I know I know George was extremely tired of the whole thing. Just well that's why he left. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and fair enough. They've been through a lot and, and uh, had a lot of issues between them. So, but uh, that would be good to see. I'd like to see it. There's, there's probably some really nice moments. To we should go see it together when it comes out. That would be marvelous. Let's hope they sit out and put it in the theaters. Well, okay. they'll, they'll put it in the theaters. They put the last one, even yeah, for like true. a day or two. They put eight days that's a right. week. Oh, that, that Tom Hanks one? Or, uh, uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, or did Tom Hanks narrate her? What did I say, Tom Hanks? Uh, I think anyway, Ron Howard, yeah, yeah. I don't think Good. Tom Hanks was involved. <laughs> had anything to do with it? Well, he should have. <laughs> did, did you ever see his little rock and roll movie? What was that movie? That Thing You uh, Do. Yeah, yeah, that thing you do. I love that movie. It was a good movie, and, and the band that does that movie, uh, what was the band? Is it, was it Fountains the, of Wayne? Or, I don't know, wasn't that? I don't know. Um, I know the guy who wrote That Thing You Do, who was in Fountains of Wayne, passed away not too long ago. I'll tell you an interesting story. One of your cousins, my first cousins, or your first cousin once removed, uh, Kurt Bryant, down in New York State, dear friend and dear music uh, lover as well. He grew up in New Jersey, just outside of New York City, across the river. Mm -hmm. And the town of Wayne, New Jersey, is there. And Fountains of Wayne is a business that operated in this town. He remembers driving by it all the time oh, as really? a kid. So that's where they got their name from this this, uh, this business, I guess, sold fountains, I presume. And that's the band name. And uh, your cousin knew all about it way before there ever was a band. So. Really? Isn't that cool? Yeah. That is cool. It is pretty cool. Ethan, it's late. Let's wrap it up, son. It is late. It is 11.40. Oh no, 11.54 p.m. as we record this. Yeah. 
Well, it's been a great pleasure. This has been really fun. And the I pleasure is have, all mine. You're going to have wonderful success with this project. I think you're going to be a great interviewer, and it'll be really interesting to hear other people's uh, responses and stories, too. So I, I look forward I, to listening to I, it I hope it goes over. well. And I love the artwork you created. That is brilliant. You're a, you. you're a real uh, graphic artist, man. You're way ahead of your time. You're going to, you know, you follow that field in life, you're going to have tremendous success, I think. so. Thank you. Wonderbar. Pick it up after all you. Right. Well, this was Fab Man, totally gear. Fab gear and all those other pimply <laughs> hyperboles. <laughs> Very if good. If I may you quote George it. Harrison Dead from Hardy's Night. That, that impresses me that you did that. That's, I, we didn't even mention that movie. I adore that movie. It's yeah. one of the, I think it's one of the top ten movies. We have to watch and, it together sometime. That would be really good. That would be really good. Or help. Yeah, which I like too. But, uh, yeah. Help is the, uh, the template for music videos. It's what I find. It's fantastic that way. So. All right. So I All think right. that about wraps it up for this session. Uncle Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Tremendous pleasure. Thanks so much and for picking me first as your first interview. Well, and, uh, it's, it seems fitting, full circle. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And, okay. and we'll yeah. see you next time on another episode of Fans on the Run. So long, buddy. So long, Uncle Paul. Fans on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillips. This has been a Showtown production.